Hi, I'm Clemmie Telford and it's time to get open and get honest. Each week, I interview a guest about a topic that we, as a society, often shy away from. From sex lives to salaries, life and death, religion and real bodies, no subject is off the table. Welcome to Honestly, the podcast. As someone that loves an in-depth chat, I'm thrilled to be partnering with Smarty Mobile, who are all about being the transparent mobile network with honest values. They offer unrivaled value for money, starting with their £10 a month no-commitment SIM-only plan that gives unlimited calls, texts and a massive 30 gig of data and no contract. It's a smart way to stay connected. Head over to smarty.co.uk forward slash honestly for more details. Thank you, Smarty Mobile. So this is it, the episode I knew I needed to cover but was also dreading. I'm joined by the script consultant from Netflix's Sex Education and BBC Radio 1 host, Alex Fox, as well as the founder of AM Appointment and Entomology Institute, Nadia Dean. They join me to talk sex. Though I thought I'd be mortified at talking about kink, masturbation and a shared fear that everyone else is having better sex, I actually loved it and it made me reframe my own pursuit of pleasure quite differently. So here it is. Let's get stuck in. So the name of the game of this podcast is Honestly, which actually I imagine for both of you two is not going to be a problem, but sometimes we need to warm people up into it. So I'm going to start with a quick fire round. Ooh, um, do I quickly get fired? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it? Uh, Thank hopefully you for coming I, won't, I won't lie. Okay. I talk about laying, not lying. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how fun are you? Eight? Oh, gosh. Um... Recently, I'd probably say about five. Oh. Yeah, I've gone into this really serious mode of my life. I'm just getting things done. It's like, oh, no, no, I can't go out. I need to do work. I think I'm at an eight at the moment, having just gone through a period, perhaps a little like yours, where I didn't just lose my mojo. It moved to another planet really? for about six months. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just rediscovering that effervescence. Mm. I feel like a human soda stream now. I'm going to be oh, irrepressible yeah. and incredibly I'm, irritating. I'm doing months. a hand motion that no one can see, but she's emerging like the hungry caterpillar, you know, like the... the you actually look like I was being rebirthed <laughs> then. Yeah, yeah. What an image. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how popular are you? Oh, what a horrible question. Sorry. Hmm. So I'd think at a scale of one to ten, I'd probably say about eight. Huh. Eight or nine. I eight. hope for an eight. People I really like, I'm delighted to say, seek out my company for second and third times. And I find that incredibly reassuring. Although I've had a lot of breakthroughs recently with people who I initially maybe didn't feel that my character appealed to. I do have quite a strong personality and I think if it rubs you up the wrong way, then it's a really abrasive form of rubbing, which no one really wants. But lately I've learned how to tell the difference between someone making constructive criticism about you that you should listen to and respond to and maybe make adaptations and evolutions to yourself versus people who are just never going to find you their cup of tea and it's better to accept that and 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 be happy that yeah. you have enough friends. On a scale of 1 to 10, how rebellious are you? <laughs> hmm... I'm the youngest child, so oh. I think it was my natural duty to be rebellious and there was quite a big space between me and my sisters. How, Actually, how many not, siblings have you got? I have three sisters and a brother. Oh, wow. But I feel like it was my natural duty, but I didn't need to because they all done it for yeah. me. So they kind of just, by the time my mum and dad, by the time I got to my teens, they just was, just, just do it. You're going to do it anyway. They've done it. I call my youngest daughter who's my third child the smiling assassin so she <laughs> she acts like she's not doing anything she's only little she's two mm. but she yeah she's not doing anything that bad but she is just smiling while she's there doing, causing a little bit of strife she's quite a fan of a pinch so she has a quiet pinch on her brother's arms it's just like <laughs> no one sees it but it it's effective how about you Alex how rebellious are you uh, I think in some ways I'd get on with your littlest <laughs> midget gem there because um, I suppose some people would consider me a rebel just by being a woman who speaks very openly about sex yes. um, I guess because I've been doing that for such a long time I forget the inherent rebellious nature of, of my job I believe though in enacting huge change 
through breaking systems from the inside. And I also think there's enormous power for evolution and rebellion in collaboration. So whilst I might not look like a rebel in the sense that although I have a lot of anger about certain things in the world, I try and express that through action rather than I'm not often a a shouty person. I find collaboration often uh, achieves more for me anyway than confrontation. Mm. Mm. Favourite colour? Oh, teal. Oh. I was going to say turquoise. Yeah, it reminds me of my mum. I see time and numbers in colours. You're synesthetic. You have synesthesia. Yeah. So I see numbers and age in different colours and it's usually shades of yellow. And it's really weird because even as I go past those age and I look back, it's still that colour and it's this particular shape. Stop it. You're like Picasso. You're yellow period. Alex and I are literally like with mouths open. Well, actually, I have synesthesia too, but mine is olfactory. So I smell emotions Ah, and certain places are associated with scents for me. Although weirdly that has changed change as I've got older and also as I've had treatment for PTSD I've found that some of my phantom smells have gone and that's been one of the sadder aspects really of uh, letting go of trauma has meant letting go of some of the these pleasant olfactory hallucinations as Mm. I call them. Most prized possession? Knee-jerk reaction to that. I think my most prized possessions is I have a collection of photographs and cards that I keep all my birthday cards, all of them. From since, forever, forever. Yeah, since I was seven, oh. I've got them. And I have, my mum has written the same thing in every card since what? I was, really? God bless, love mummy. Oh. Every year since I was seven. And I love it. And I've got cards from my dad who died when I was 15 that I cherish. Oh, yeah. And just pictures. I have old film rolls, you know, like that just camera that you have to go and take it in. And I still haven't, Gone to take, yeah, but I've looked at them and you can see their. I mean, well, I can't take it in now, I've exposed it, but you can see the pictures and I know that's, that's just, magic, isn't it? Yeah, I just, I'd be devastated. Forgotten about those. It's a whole different thing, isn't it? Mm. When you develop them and then you got the film back, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. Most prized possession. It's what I don't own. I think um, I paid off all of my debts, having accrued a huge amount of them through romantic misadventure and also picking a career that pays the square root of fuck all. (laughs) Um, I got debt free about three years ago. Congratulations. It's been massively freeing. And it also means that I have a little bit more of the means now to accrue the things that are precious to me, which primarily for me are memories from travel and Looking, I really like to be able to look after my friends if they need something. Oh. It's really nice to have a little bit of money in the bank where, so that if someone goes, How's I'm having a really tricky time right now, I can do something tangible to help. Do you believe in marriage? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to get married. Uh, now that um, marriage is available to uh, everybody, I believe in it a lot more than I did. Um, my mum's been married three times and third time was the charm. One and two definitely were utterly devoid of charm, I'd say. I would like marriage for myself because the idea of being so cherished by somebody mm. that they want to at least give that a punt, uh, I think would be a, a really joyous feeling for me. But I, I, I don't believe marriage is the only way right, to have a no, brilliant relationship. No, no. The partnership is like a long-term partnership where, you know, you have... I wouldn't even say the security because you could have that without having a marriage. But for for me, it's just something that I've always wanted. Like you were saying, you just want to have that that person that wants to be with you so much they want to tell the world that they yeah. want to be with yeah. you. That's something that I crave. So, yeah. How would you describe your relationship with money? I think that education system in general needs a lot of work oh hell yeah like in in general yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah it's not true. just with sex obviously we you know i i, I work for sex plane as well so i go to schools and talk educate teenagers about sex but also we need to teach young people about money management so for me i got my first job when i was 16 i had all this money i didn't have to pay rent and i, I just kind of formed bad habits that it's taken a while to undo and now at this age I am now trying to undo it. So I'd really agree with you on that. I had things about the seed drill drilled into me in, in school and bloody oxbow lakes yeah, exactly. until I felt like I was drowning in Tell one. me about taxes. Yeah, I had mm. nothing about finances, mm. virtually nothing about politics, no. the political system. And it meant that I was 
thrust into the world with knowledge that could help me win Trivial Pursuit and not a lot else. Yeah. And I, I, I really think really it's a great thing to mm. educate young people about yeah. finances. Yeah. What star sign are you both, which I've been trying to work out while I've been talking to you? Oh, yes. <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. No, no, yes. You're you, you really can... hard to... Both really hard to... I can't guess. Tell me. I'm a Leo. I'm uh, all about hair and... Uh, proud. Boy, like yeah. big personality and a bit of an ego, but hopefully quite uh, generous. I'm a Libra. Are you? Yeah. So... Actually, I get on with every. I get on with most people, yeah. and yes, I am quite indecisive. I could be sitting there like for ages, just going through like a few decisions, but I just need to just effing do it. Last one: three words your inner critic would use to describe you. I'm going to go with procrastinator. Oh, oh gosh, sometimes yes. and procrastinator as well. Yeah. I have yes. been known yeah. to definitely. Uh, do some downstairs DIY because I think that the relief it will bring me will definitely help me concentrate for mm-hmm. the rest of my day. And then suddenly I've lost half of my day uh, to my... <laughs> to, <laughs> to masturbation. To yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So procrastinator, two words, but people pleaser. I definitely can be a bit of a, a, a people pleaser sometimes at the expense of more important things. I think I'd definitely say pro... Um, procrastinator. Yeah, it's definitely. It's very isn't it? I just, as I was saying to you earlier, I go to bed at about four or five in the morning. Oh no! Like I, I just, I put, I get really worked up. Like I, the best ideas come when I'm like about eleven p.m. I've sat in front of my computer. Or I've gone out. I've done work all day, and I'm like, I should be doing this. I should be doing this, and I'll, I'll go and find something else to do. Or let me just do this because that's really important, and that will make sure that this will get done. But actually, it's not. It's just like it's just not. And so it just means that I end up going to sleep really late because then I get the inspiration to suddenly do it. And it's like, oh, OK, it's now three o'clock in the morning. But maybe within reason, you just need to shift your life to accept that. Yeah, but it doesn't really work when With you're society. sending emails at 3am <laughs> and people are responding at nine, wanting the answer at nine, but you're you still in bed. Them. You know, this doesn't really work with society. So I have you here to talk about sex, which is actually up until now, and I've done the research, so I no longer feel this way, but I've been the most nervous about this subject. Oh, bless you. So tell me about your jobs and how you came to do them and what your motivation and mission is. By trade, I'm a silversmith. So I did my degree and my MA during silversmithing. And a lot of my work was quite phallic or yonic. <laughs> um, everyone would say that. So my <laughs> MA work looked like giant penises and so lots of soft, squishy inner holes to push your fingers in. I was like, I think I need to talk to someone about this or kind of express it in another <laughs> way. Amazing. <laughs> um, so, and I've always had, I've had trauma from my past that, during my late 20s early 30s I worked really hard to address and really uh, unpack and kind of really try to set myself up for my future because I couldn't go and live in with the stuff that I was doing like self-sabotage I thought this is something that maybe if I obviously have sex on my mind because it's coming out in my work mm. and I'm obviously unpacking a lot of sexual trauma as well so maybe this is something that other people are going through and with my friends and my family were quite open with talking about sex and engaging with these kind of conversations so I thought you know maybe other women don't have women in general I'd say don't have that comfortable setting that they all have the friends that they can go to Mm -hmm. to kind of unpack some of their problems so I just started talking to friends about it and one thing led to another and I thought okay how do I merge my jewelry silversmithing with sex yeah I'm going to make metal dildos. So I started designing. I entered a competition to... It's like a big idea competition with London Met. one of my old unis. And I got down to the finals with my metal dildos. But I think it was too controversial for, really? you know... you know, Controversial. Country, exactly. <laughs> they didn't quite understand. Or they understood it. But I think there was always a bit of embarrassment when they were talking about it. But during the, the process of that... I spoke to about 200 women about their sexual fantasies, their sex lives, how they masturbate. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought, okay, I just need to do this a little bit more. Yeah, this is your calling. This is my calling. This is where I feel the most comfortable. I love talking about this. I'm a really open person, so you can literally ask me anything. So after speaking to them, I started working in Shush, the sex shop in Shoreditch, which I absolutely loved. And what that helped me do was... 
speak to the public more, so speak to actual people, all genders coming in buying toys. It was such an education, so learning about things like vaginismus, working with other charities it's just amazing the amount of people the different kinds of people that come into that shop and it just really broadened my horizons so since then I have my own brand AM Appointment where I talk to women about how to get the best orgasm through masturbation I have loads of funny stuff about that I give masturbation tips every fortnight on my newsletter I also work with Sexplain which is a company that goes into secondary schools across the UK and teaches young people SRE so like uh, sex education so, oh yeah yeah we talk about that yeah I see where you're going with that that makes sense and I also am a founding member of Entomology Institute which is a really new school of sexual wellness for your unique life journey so wherever you are in your life we have experiences for you in Barcelona, London and New York coming so anything from how to spark desire in a long term relationship to how to deal with loneliness to sex and endometriosis, dinner with, I don't know, a porn star, sex and parenting. Alex, what's your journey been? I'm beaming like I'm in a Colgate ad, by the way, because <laughs> Nadia's journey is so interesting. Yeah. But also, everything you're doing right now is exactly oh. what I'm also campaigning for. And I always say that there are more slashes in my job title than in Edward Scissorhands' shower curtain. <laughs> I started out as a journalist. My big break was on a magazine called Bizarre, which at the time was the world's biggest alternative culture mag. It had a lot of coverage of things like extreme fetishes, unusual kids, kinks, or at least kinks that were considered unusual 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Lots of latex, uh, bondage, uh, unusual art. Your metal dildos would have slid quite nicely yeah. into our centrefold pages. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just slip a pun in there? Yeah, she does. <laughs> All the time. See? I'm trying to make it more subtle, but my, my, I, I often feel that I have some kind of like word-based Tourette's where I just can't stop myself. I think it's a skill. Um, Own it. Thanks. I really do. It It was a brilliant job working for Bazaar. I loved it. I was in my early 20s. It gave me free reign to really throw myself into life and discovering new ways of living it. But it was very hedonistic. And as I approached my mid-20s and crept towards my 30s, I started to want to do something that was a bit more altruistic and that would help other people as well as so not just go hey look at this wild thing go let's talk sensitively and constructively about this wild thing and explore why people are doing this wild thing and why people are not doing it when they might want to then everything changed for me when 50 shades of gray came oh, yeah. out because as much as i think that those books and films are uh, repellent and repugnant in many ways and not an accurate or helpful depiction of BDSM relationships, they did start a lot of chat. They got people talking. And from my point of view, I went from being a fairly niche journalist working for a popular but um, certainly specialist title to having the BBC phone me up going, we need somebody who knows about this world and, more importantly, has trusted access because they were phoning up dominatrixes or submissive people or folks from the kink clubs and being told, we don't trust the media, we won't talk to you. We've had terrible experiences in the past, but we will talk to Alex Fox, which was an enormously flattering thing, but something I had worked very, very hard to convince those people and this is still a central tenet of all my work to make sure that everybody who speaks to me feels understood that I depict their experiences in the media in a way which is accurate and fosters understanding rather than sensationalist. So yeah, I I suddenly found myself in a position where I was being asked to write for larger platforms and then people started approaching me asking for advice. And I tried to be a good journalist and do my research and go and ask experts in various different topics for input whenever I needed it but it struck me that I didn't really have any training to spot the red flags if somebody had come to me with an issue that maybe needed immediate attention or that there was a danger there so I remembered that um, in my own teens 
the place that I had gone for sex advice was charity, young people's well, sexual well-being charity called Brooke. Oh my word! Um, yes. <laughs> at, the t- yeah. Yeah. at the time, I wasn't earning a very big wage, so I couldn't really pay for my own training. And so I approached them and said, "Look, I'll help you get some press if you wouldn't mind me sitting in on and some classes me. and workshops." And they very kindly uh, gave me training in contraception, uh, how to advise on unplanned pregnancies, things like that. Uh, and that collaborative union ended up in me being an ambassador for them which is a role I still hold today but everything kind of snowballed from there snowballing being a term that you can find on Urban (laughs) Dictionary which I also discuss in my work so now I found myself uh, being a journalist slash broadcaster slash script consultant Um, so my current projects include uh, I am a script consultant and official sex educator in residence I suppose to Netflix's sex education Amazing achievement. Congratulations. Um, thanks. That I'm really chuffed to say that this week we were told we are the number one streamed show on that platform. Yeah, I watched the second is, season. That is mind boggling. People love to binge on the minge. They are loving <laughs> they that do. show. I also give sex advice on a show called The Modern Man with Ollie Mann. I work for BBC Radio One doing a show called Unexpected Fluids, which has just hit 50 episodes. And we've gone back to the kitchen to recook that one a little. We're going to. We've got our heads together to work out how we can push that forward at the moment. In talking to you, even for this small amount of time, you're both kind of sexually liberated or appear so and or sex positive. And is it that you want to enable everyone to get get to that place or is it that you want to make that liberation more mainstream? Do you feel like there's something that you're kicking against in a big societal level or not? Or have you never stopped to think about it like that? When I was younger, I really saw the effects of what not talking openly about sex and sexuality could result in. I went to a school not far from Manchester. It was within coughing distance of the famous gay village and Canal Street, or Anal Treat, as it was commonly known. (laughs) And yet we received no LGBTQ information or education Mm. at school whatsoever. And as a result, I saw friends do quite dangerous things like try and teach themselves about anal sex purely through porn and and this pornography was not showing things like the importance of warming up to to avoid anal fissures and uh, in one case a young male friend of mine had a highly dubious relationship with a much older man because he felt that that was the only way that he could get tuition guidance. So firstly I think I realised the importance of talking openly about sex as a, as a means of protection <laughs> from, you know, to, from, yeah, to empower people to, to look after themselves in this world. My family were also really deeply affected by both emotional and sexual assault and abuse. And although that was not a factor that was immediately obvious to me in my career choices, mm. retrospectively looking back, I think it was a way of me subconsciously wanting to use a difficult period of my life to do good and to try and prevent that kind of situation from happening to somebody else in the future. Mm -hmm. 100% I'm the same through my own personal experiences and family members, friends and the surprising amount of people in general. I want to and wanted to give people the tools to be able to speak about not just their trauma but how... I think there's power in speaking your truth and speaking what's happened to you. I'm a big advocate. So my nieces, when they were growing up, I had a conversation with them because their mum felt a bit embarrassed. I was only about 19, 20, mm-hmm. and I felt it was imperative that they knew things that happened to me so that they could make better choices or be aware of certain situations. And I think as an adult and for adults, there's still so much that we're not allowed to speak about or Mm -hmm. we're not allowed to embrace. And sometimes we just need a, a platform or someone else to be able to listen to our experiences. I think there's so much knowledge in just being yourself. So you don't necessarily need the sex expert or the person that's outspoken about sex. Just if you were to get together with a circle of friends or a circle of people and just share your experiences, I yeah. can guarantee you, you will learn from that. And like that's that's one thing that I'm really advocating for is just sharing your experiences. And I think it's 
I think what you say is right, Nadia. Like uh, our job is to encourage people to talk to other, to their, to, their, to other people as well as mm. just to us. Yeah. But I also think it's not just about talking, but it's about the approach that you take to that talk and the way it's framed. A lot of the information and the voices I heard about sex when I was younger were salacious and very sensationalist. Mm but also quite shame-drenched. There was this real weird mix of, hey, sex is the most exciting thing ever, versus you will also be doomed mm, if you have it. Such a contradiction so, yeah. that it's hard to process, isn't it? So mm. I think a big part of our jobs is not only teaching people that it's okay to talk about sex, but teaching the right ways and the right times mm. to talk about it. I'm all about removing shame and replacing it with choice. Mm -hmm. I think Mm. everything should be an informed choice when it comes to sex. Which feels like a great point to go on to a section that I like to call asking the good people of Instagram. So in (laughs) in researching this podcast, I always ask my audience. And actually, I think it is worth bearing in mind who my audience are, which are a lot of people of a certain point. It skews mainly 25 to 35, but a lot, a significant portion of parents, which I think will skew these answers. So I asked them if they're happy with their sex life, and only, I think, 44% were. So that's quite a big, a lot of people who are not having a good time. And if not, why? And these were their answers. I've got no one to shag. I've lost my sex drive since having my third child. I've been trying for a baby for three years, and that changes everything. Mm. I'm co-sleeping with a toddler. I love and fancy my husband but have no libido. I only have a climax from masturbation. It's become same old, same old. I wasn't honest enough with him in the start and now it's gone too far to do anything about it. Oh, that's very common. Yeah. It's tricky. That last one. Yeah. yeah. How does your current sex life make you feel? Disappointed, like a failure, obliged, mm. sad that biology takes something away from us women, secure, thrilled and beautiful, Sorry for my husband, wanted and empowered, unattractive and lonely. Some really powerful words there, isn't there? Overwhelmingly really sad. Really Mm. sad, yeah. Again, which I think is why it's important to remember my audience. A quick ad break to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Smarty Mobile, for their no-nonsense, honest approach to keeping us all connected. For just £10 a month, you're able to get unlimited calls and texts, plus 30 gig of data, so there's no need to worry about streaming all the podcasts you like. I wonder what the person meant when they said something about biology taken away from... Yes. So, I mean, I guess we can touch on it now. I think there's something that happens, I think, when you have children where your body has been taken over by somebody else. Mm. And because... A, you have to to get pregnant, you have to have sex. B, a child often comes out of your vagina. And then C, breastfeeding. There's so much of the things that were related to your sexual identity become tied up with motherhood. And it, it, it does shift things a lot. And that is a hard thing to get over, I think. There's a uh, idea that everybody else is having lots of sex yes. all the time, really great sex yeah. like that, and you're missing out. And I suppose it depends on what your normal is. So maybe if, um, for example, you've had a baby and your sex life or your body hasn't gone back to normal and before that you was having sex three times a day, every day, mm. there's quite a, a vast difference. But as you, knowing your own normal and, like you are saying, just being kind to yourself because... Things happen, like stress happens. Life happens. Um, life happens that affects your mental, emotional well-being as well as your your sexual well-being and just allowing that time and being honest with yourself and communicating with your partner, I think is a really big part of it. Yes. I think one thing that could help in not only this context but also for a lot of people more broadly is to change what they think of as sex, to change their definition of sex. Mm. We often think of sex as just intercourse, as penis and vagina or PIV as it's Mm. sometimes called, when in fact there's a whole A to Z of other things that we can do with our bodies, many of which are also easier and more pleasurable after something like childbirth. Mm. I 
really hate the word foreplay, by the way. Not only does it sound like a 90s boy band that one of the Wahlbergs may have been a member of, but it relegates things like oral, erotic massage, erotic storytelling. Kissing. Uh, kissing, And it's yeah. just a prelude, like, yeah. let's just get to the action. Exactly. It yeah. makes all of those things just little itty-bitty starters and, mm. and uh, frames intercourse as the main course. I also think it's quite insidious because the idea of mm. foreplay suggests that intercourse will definitely happen. Yeah. That there's some mm. kind of obligation there that if you enter into any kind of sexual um, stimulation with another person, then it's definitely going to lead to putting a putting a pole in a hole. Mm. And I think that's a really dangerous mindset to have. No one, however much uh, poking and prodding and playing and, and scintillating and titillating you've done, nobody is obligated to have intercourse if they don't want. Mm. But intercourse... It not only places pressure on women, we know that around 80% of women need direct clitoral stimulation in order to come. And PIV sex does not really get the clit lit. It's not great for that. But it also places pressure on men. They've got to gain and maintain an erection in order for intercourse to happen. Mm. So it's it's actually not always the best form of sex for either party in a heterosexual relationship. So if we expand our definition of sex, think about less about intercourse, more about play and about pleasure, I think that would make a lot of people's lives more enjoyable and 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 also that Let guilt that, that people steep. are feeling. Some of these people in long-term relationships, and probably me included, think, oh, you're not having intercourse enough. But actually, you're having loads more intimacy in some ways than other people. Intimacy, uh, and, not uh, intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually to celebrate that. Because, yeah, if you have got a, a small baby in your bed and maybe you can't be bonking, but you are together and holding hands, that that is something that's valuable as well. Yeah, I think if mm. we can... Uh, Start thinking about sex as something that won't always automatically work, but mm. something that will require work. And then if we can try and approach that work with as positive a mind frame as possible, we'd all be a bit happier. Mm. It's in- so mm. interesting, isn't it? I then asked the, the old audience if they had any questions that they wish they could ask. Ooh. So here are some of them. Can you expect your life partner to completely fulfil you sexually? I think you can't expect anything yeah, of think, anyone, can no, you? Yeah, I think that's a really huge amount of pressure to yeah. put on someone. <laughs> I mean, to, good on them fulfill, if they can. Yeah, to fulfil all of your, you know, sexual desires. I might, you know, might want to, I know, might want to have a screw whilst jumping off the Empire State Building, but my partner's actually terrified of heights. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work and it's not necessarily fair. I think it's really great if you are in a position with your partner where you can explore and like you're saying, you don't necessarily have to have loads of different partners to have loads of different types of great sex. If you have a partner that you can explore that with, or maybe you can even have a, a, a situation where, okay, I like... The feeling of heights, like, but just saying bungee, yeah. it's not my, but yeah. bungee jumping whilst having sex. Okay, how can maybe we recreate that in a way that's good for both of yeah. us so we don't have to bungee jump? So maybe I like the lightheadedness. Okay, let's maybe explore breath work or explore something else to kind of bring that in. But I think ultimately we are responsible for our own sexual I was pleasure. Say exactly yeah. that. Surely I this just, is the place to talk yeah, about masturbation. I just don't think it's fair to to put that on someone else. If you can't do it for yourself or if you're not willing to talk about it or explore it yourself, then it's going to be even more difficult for your for your partner. So I'd always say start with yourself and try and fulfil your own fantasies or think about ways that you can incorporate your fantasy in a safe way for you and your partner or by yourself. I think it's very difficult to expect anybody to fulfil Any all part. of your yeah yeah all your sexual anything. desires and tick all your boxes. Not least because those desires are extremely likely to fluctuate throughout your life and change for all manner of reasons. I think what it is reasonable to expect of a partner is that you'll remain good communicators with each other and express when things are changing. Someone said, "I'm 45. Is it too late to start masturbating?" Hell no! Get <laughs> on with it. It's really important to keep masturbating throughout your life because your body will change and your bodily, your physical responses Mm -hmm. and your emotional responses as Mm -hmm. well may well change. I often tell people that as well as trying to keep things fresh with a partner and and mix up the techniques and the tools and the approaches you're taking, do the same with your own DIY 
Mm. Make sure that you switch it up through your life. There is also medical evidence to show that as you approach menopause, um, using it stops you from losing it. Does it really? Yeah, masturbation can help keep your vaginal area naturally lubricated. It can prevent vaginal atrophy, which is the breakdown of tissues inside the vaginal area. Yeah, giving yourself a big hand (laughs) is a good way to treat yourself. And even sometimes some people may not have masturbated or may not know how to masturbate. I think I only was able to use my hands when I turned about 30 or 31 before I was just reliant on toys, Mm. which is not a bad thing. Some people actually just need the power of a toy to learn their bodies. So it it could be a thing that they've never really known what to do or there's a bit of shame. So Mm. start. There's never too late, like you're saying, use it or lose it. And... Yeah, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. And if you find that it's maybe not working, just with manually investing toys, you don't have to go into a shop. You can do things very discreetly online. There's loads of advice out there. Um, well, through doing some research into both of you, I learned about suction toys, which is something I've Ooh, never come, yeah. come across before. I work yes. with a company called Womanizer, who, uh, um, yes. they're German. Mm. The word Womanizer does not have the same connotations oh, there as it does here. But they actually patented uh, the technology the that suction. means, yeah, it, yeah they, the rather than a traditional vibrator that kind of hits repeatedly against the flesh, which can leave some people it's a bit numb. It's desensitised yeah. because you're just, yeah, afterwards they use the air. So it, it's like you have this little vacuum that sits around your and it uses air to kind of suck on your clit so you don't actually get that oversensitive feeling. It's fucking intense. I've heard people describe it as um, the orgasm got pulled out of me. Yeah. yeah. Someone said that I resented the toy because I came so quickly. I had no time to really enjoy or get into well, the moment. Voluntary. Yeah. Someone has messaged say I've never orgasmed. How should I? How should I go about doing it? So maybe suction toys is a good place. It's to a start. good um, suction toys and also magic wands. There's a British company called Doxy who make incredibly powerful mains powered wands they have several advantages over other toys for a start you can use them through clothes so Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people who haven't masturbated a lot in the past or who have bodily hang-ups find that a good way of starting and also they offer very deep rumbly vibrations Mm. that spread further throughout the body so they stimulate a greater deeper area uh, can i just say that ones are especially the ones that plug into a wall because those are the ones that you're really going to get that really strong vibrations are also really good for fgm so women who've had some sort of trauma it works by even just putting it on like your lower belly. Yeah. It's so intense. In the, so. In the vicinity really? of the pubic yeah. region. And we know now a lot of the clitoris is, is actually inside. hidden inside of the body. Um, so even if you are someone who has incredibly sadly gone through FGM, you still can access that pleasure inside of yourself potentially. Mm. Just quickly returning to your listener who said that at 45, is it mm. too late to masturbate? They might have some sense of shame about the fact that they've never touched mm. themselves. I don't know all the reasons for that, but they certainly shouldn't feel alone. As a luxury sex toy company called Tenga, who did a massive global study involving about 10,000 people, and they found that 18% of those, only 18% had ever been taught about masturbation in schools, just hadn't been mentioned to other women. So a lot of us are there's this idea that we should automatically know how to touch ourselves but no one ever no. tells us how mm. no one no one explains to us that a that it's okay to do and b how to do it so i'm not surprised at all that there are people in their 40s 50s and beyond who have never ventured well i had that. someone dm me saying that she is on the P- parent teacher association at school and they went in to discuss sex education and that on the boys syllabus it was there about masturbation and it wasn't about the girls and then she was too embarrassed or didn't feel comfortable raising her hand to say we need to include it in girls and has been kicking herself ever since and this is it that's how it just slips through the net isn't it well whatever you think about jess phillips um labor candidate she uh did campaign earlier in her career for female pleasure and masturbation to be included on the national curriculum uh, because as of september 2020 Mm, uh, sex ed in schools in england is going to become compulsory and And a a lot of teachers don't have the tools to teach it no not at all a lot of times when we, we go into schools the teachers will be sitting in the back and would say vagina just a simple word it's like anatomy and you can see the teacher like cringing in the background it's like 
you know, we are unembarrassable. You can ask us any questions. Um, if you don't feel comfortable coming to us, you can go to your teacher and you can sometimes see the teachers like recoiling. Yeah, this is the problem and it's not the teacher's fault. Yeah. They're not feeling sex- sexually liberated or even comfortable or confident. I'm, yeah, I'm quite worried that people are going to think that all of our, the next generation's sexual woes are going to be solved with the um, rollout of this new curriculum. But unless we give teachers the tools that they need and the resources and the training and also empower them to feel confident to to teach this subject when lots of them may have had terrible experiences themselves they may have gone through trauma they might have religious beliefs that preclude them teaching certain things which is a controversial topic but an important one to address and I I also and you probably will agree with me here Nadia as much as I think that great sex ed in schools is a brilliant start that will not and cannot Mm. reach every young person um, for example, if your English teacher is tasked with teaching sex ed mm. uh, and she's brilliant at it, but she knows your mum and you're questioning your sexuality, you might not want to say that in that class. Mm. Or um, you are from a, a cultural background where admitting that you're intrigued by anal sex might be re- might feel very dangerous but this to is you. why I think... Um, Things like Brook and Sex Plain, Sex Wise, there's loads of different um, places that do it, are so important because they are external. Yes. You can come in, um, have a conversation. These students know they're never going to see you again. Um, They can pull you aside. I've had um, students pull me aside and tell me some things where I've had to raise it and tell them, look, I've got to take this up with your teacher because it's, you know, there's a certain protocol. But just having... I think I think it, it is better to have an outside agency come yeah. in because it's such a intimate topic for a lot of young people who are just beginning to be able to talk about it or just starting to explore it for themselves. Mm. So just like you were saying, if you know your teacher knows your mum or you know your teacher, we had the student that a, a boy that wanted to leave the room because he didn't want to learn about girls and periods we wasn't even talking about sex it was just literally this is their anatomy and it's like no I can't do it but he might be receiving messages about that at home at home yeah, exactly maybe. and the teacher in the room was also um, of the same religious background so there might have been a, an external pressure from him so I think you might see now that it's going to become compulsory loads of other charities companies teaching this I'm going to add to Nadia's point about uh, so with you on the the need for multi-pronged approaches Mm. to to sex education that cater for all sorts of different individuals. I'm also a big advocate for adult sex education. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've seen calls online for things like um, cervical cancer and cervical smears to be included in the curriculum. And whilst I think there, that's just one example, whilst I think there is a lot to be said for that, our school's curriculum cannot do everything and there are yeah. cert- there's going to be certain things in our sexual lives that only become relevant and pertinent as we as age. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to see ongoing sex ed in the same way that men are told to go and get the prostates checked out at a certain point. Mm-hmm. So like Entomology Institute, yeah. I'm the founder of, it is about adult education. It is events and experiences that you can go to learn about things that, you know, for example, I get confused sometimes and I feel embarrassed to say it about you know LGBTQ. I say plus. Yeah, yeah, plus. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people. You don't want to offend it's okay, someone as long as you're trying to learn and stay. You're trying to learn exactly. So where do you go to find these things? And sometimes yeah. it is as easy as googling, but there's a lot of misinformation on Google. Yeah. Everyone's there's a, a lot of garbled. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know who to trust. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, everyone's an expert, but where can you actually go and just have Ask real life? Yeah, with someone that is like a, a real expert in this area or that you can trust or that's been certified or has been vetted you can throw bullshit a long way if you roll it into the right ball can't you <laughs> there she goes never heard that phrase <laughs> um, I like it <laughs> in kind of some kind of conclusion it's almost too broad I feel like we've literally only just touched the surface but that's touching we... the surface can also be pleasurable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FYI um, what like one thing do you wish you know had known about this whole topic and what has it taught you about yourself, this career path? Sorry, quite big ones. Let's do them one at a time. What do you wish you'd know and what one piece of information do you wish you could tell your 16-year-old self? That I would still be learning at 37 and that that's not something to be ashamed of. It's actually really exciting. Mm. 
So, mm. Yeah, so long of life, isn't it? I think for me, what I wish I knew is that it's okay to not have sex if you don't want to. Mm. And it's okay to be seen as someone who's very vocal about their sex life in a way if I don't want to do it then I don't have to be afraid to say I don't want to do it and not just go with the flow because it's what expect it's mm. expected really wish I could have told my younger self yeah. that it would have saved me a lot of trauma mm. that's two very good bits of information what has it taught you about yourself this career path what have you learned about yourself I love this career I, I love this industry I love talking about this I love learning you never finish learning like there's so many things happening I think it's taught me for myself that I mean there's so much to fucking do just for myself there's so much things to explore um there's so much work to do breaking down my own barriers because sometimes I might say things doesn't necessarily mean I can actually live it myself and I I was wondering because I think that's probably why I was nervous about this podcast because I assume that you guys are having the best sex and you're not having sex at all (laughs) I I want to be beaten like a drum but actually for myself I need to go through a period of not having sex and really just working and this is part of the whole just being quiet and being that popular and my idea of fun it's just because I need to focus on another area of my life in order to get the quality of sex and the quality of relationship that I want with myself and with a partner I need to go through this period of aloneness to really to really understand that and those Um, quiet periods whether you have chosen them mindfully or whether you are clawing at the door with desperation Mm. all of that is also really relevant to informing your work because Mm. how many people can relate to that exactly there's this myth that people who work in sex education must have absolutely glistening glimmering sex lives all Mm. the time and i think there's a lot of guilt amongst sex educators that if their their sex life or their love life or their relationships aren't perfect that they're somehow failing or not qualified to do their jobs they are more qualified if they use those experiences to learn from yeah. and relate to others and more more yeah just real isn't it it's just yeah. normal and I, I guess by way of conclusion as i've been speaking what your mission is is very similar to what my mission is so yeah the title of the podcast is honestly and i've tried to one by one go for all these subjects that make you feel uncomfortable and just normalizing them and that no one is like super comfortable or no one's having the best sex everyone one is just what trying. is the best sex yeah. it's I've had preference. some really yeah. fucking great sex I've just Me put too. that out there <laughs> but you I've had some having, <laughs> you're not having it every day of the no week because way. there's more yeah, of course it'll get tiring for yeah, one you know and there are other things I guess someone a couple of people message say is it alright just for things to be vanilla and just to yeah, be not that bothered what is vanilla like yeah. you know I'm making a six-part audio documentary for a well-known audiobook platform at the moment that charts the history, psychology and science of kink. And one thing that we're finding is that there is a phenomenon of vanilla shaming, particularly yes, amongst that, younger yeah. people at the moment, where there's the assumption that good sex equals kinky sex, particularly as that's quite fashionable at the moment. And whilst I welcome the idea that people are talking about and exploring these things as potential turn-ons more if that's not your cuppa that is also a-okay if you don't want to have your bum spanked until you're black and blue and that makes you red in the face totally fine and that doesn't make you boring it doesn't mean that you've not tried hard enough it doesn't mean that you're just waiting to find that one person who will convert you into a pervert I think the point of good sex is what is good for you. Yes. Oh, that's just such a powerful way to end. Although I do want to read out, I ask people to share their sexual desires and fantasies. Someone <laughs> said a finger, a shag, and a decent night's sleep, and I was like, that relatable, really, nice. really relatable, <laughs> really, really nice. No? Maybe a glass of wine in there. Yeah, exactly. A bath. Yeah. yeah. Make that finger one of the Twix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> happy days. So um, to finish up, where can people find you? And is there anything you want to shout about? You've both spoken about your other projects, but where are you on social media? So I am predominantly on Instagram, am.appointment and Entomology Institute um, for all your sexual experiences, um, events as well. 
I am slip slap slopped all over the internet. You can find oh, me. I, think uh, I don't think that's your handle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a little bit of a pun that she's working but into the information. For once, my handle is very straightforward. It's at Alex Fox, A L I X, one I like Cyclops and Fox like the rusty coloured animal that goes through your bins. Um, <laughs> Sex Education 2 is on Netflix right now to stream. Uh, you can ask me your personal sex questions, relationship questions for consideration to be answered on the Modern Man podcast by hitting feedback at modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. I am also resident sex educator at Superdrug, so now and again I'll pop up amongst the Barry M nail varnishes (laughs) and uh, your earmac. It's a good place to be. It is a good place to be. (laughs) And then I always like to ask my audience to complete this sentence, and it's very revealing. I'll be honest, I... And this is some of their answers. And whilst I'm reading them, if you'd like to mull what, if I'm honest, I, what your answer would be. Sorry, I've said Can it just a... be random? Yes, so just keep it in your head. You'll see how random some of these are. I'll be honest, I would give a lot to be skinny. Always seem to look for other people's failures rather than my own. I'm addicted to sex. Don't like gravy. I'm obsessed with a man who isn't my husband. I'm never going to get over the fact that I'm not going to have a stomach like Britney's 1997 washboard one. I don't think Britney is going to have that. <laughs> I think that stomach of hers has got a lot to answer for. I think I spent a significant portion of my life trying to have Britney's uh, six-pack from 1997. I think she went through a lot of torture to get that. Yeah, exactly, well. exactly. We wouldn't wish for some of the mm. difficult times Britney's had. Um, so, yeah, I'll be honest, I... What are your... I'll be honest, I love to lift people up but do occasionally feel trodden down when they're doing better than me and threatened and also that I fart capaciously now that I live alone and I'm currently single good for you mm. Pooh with the door open is really great when you live single as well. Oh my god, <laughs> especially when you're kind of lined up. It's the best. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I could never stand Whitney Houston and I'm not ashamed Ooh. to say it. I want to dance with somebody, hate that song, <gasps> can't stand it. I feel that way about ABBA and when I outed that. Oh my god, yeah. I yeah. cannot stand ABBA. I'm not ashamed about it anymore. I used to be. No, I'm, I'm fine about it. I'm my my face is making the should I say this yeah. um, kind of visage. <laughs> I don't think Beyonce is the flawless <gasps> feminist icon we've been sold. Wow, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I think she does a lot. Yeah. But I, I, but I don't actually think really... you can be that all the time. No, I think she's. I think she does Just a lot a of great things, but it annoys me as women that we are given a handful of idols and told that those should satisfy everything yeah, that we aspire yeah. to. And it's ironically not very feminist because I think it patronises women. Yeah. And if you just appreciate someone for what they're presenting as in their music or their films or sometimes not reading too much into it. Doesn't need to be more people. than that. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to lower the mood quite a lot. Um, I'll be honest, I this week has been hard for me, as mm. these girls know, because uh, my granny died on Friday and I'm in this weird kind of halfway place where I feel hugely positive to get to 100, living at home with all your faculties and dying surrounded by the people you love is ultimate life goals. But I still miss her and that's hard. And I think it's been a weird thing when, when you say your grandparent has died that it doesn't hold as much value as some other spaces where you might grieve but it is still difficult so that's that and also granny what a weird thing that I've been thinking about you but I've also been thinking about sex a lot this Grannies week Grannies and Fanny yes. well, she would have been your granny's proud. Fanny wouldn't yeah. you know if she didn't have sex she wouldn't be here <laughs> yes, so exactly. Exactly. You know, she died around all the people uh, that she created because of her Fanny yeah. uh, it's a fact so there we go. There's a bombshell somewhere I never thought I'd been. I've been Clemmie Telford and these wonderful women have been Alex Fox and Nadia Dean. Thank you for listening. This has been Honestly Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of Honestly. You can't beat an honest chat. I find it so reassuring and educational and hope you do too. And I'm not the only one committed to encouraging more open conversation. So do our sponsors, Smarty Mobile, the transparent mobile network that makes keeping in touch that bit easier and cheaper. If you found this week's episode interesting, which I hope you did, I'd love to know your thoughts. So please do give me a rating or review and even better, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get each week's episode delivered straight to you.